Hi, this is Matt, audio engineer and producer for I Was Here. Just a heads up that we recorded this episode in our storyteller's apartment on a 30-degree day in August. Due to Elva's age, we were unable to turn off the air conditioning during recording, so you'll hear some background noise during the interview. Enjoy the episode! I Was Here was created with generous financial support from the Accessibility Project at the G. Raymond Chang School of Continuing Education, Ryerson University. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the storytellers and are in no way endorsed by or representative of the G. Raymond Chang School of Continuing Education. You do get old, honest. You do get old. At uh, You fight it at every angle, I guess, but... You go to a doctor and they say, well, have you been, did you ever consider your age, Mrs. Barrowman? Well, no, <laughs> never. You are listening to I Was Here, a podcast featuring older adults who have interesting stories about, or long histories with, spaces and places in Toronto. I am your host, Catherine Dunphy. In this episode, I am talking to... Well, this is Elva Barrowman. I am 103 and I'm living at a senior's place. And I am still upright and breathing. A necessary evil. (laughs) Elva was born in June 1915. Yes, you heard right, 1915. She remembers coal fires on streetcars, mail delivery twice a day, and the thrill of hot water coming out of taps. When she and John and the three kids moved to Muddy Willowdale in 56, she became a pioneer of the suburbs, forging friendships with other young stay-at-home mums. She lived in her two-story home until she was 97. By that time, her new neighbours had taken to calling her the wise woman of Glenalia Avenue. Maybe it was because she was still alert and active and delighted by everyday things. Or maybe it was because of the poems that Elva writes. Just wait till you hear them. So tell me about that. You were 16, and I know you told me you cried when you came to Toronto. Well, sure, you cry when you come to Toronto, and then you move to from Toronto back to London, so you cry when you leave Toronto and go back to London. Then when you're leaving London, you cry when you leave London and go back to Toronto. So it's just life, you know. Because you make new friends, and you just hate, like, sin, but leaving them, you know. But, uh, no, it was uh, it was a big thing moving from, at 16, to Toronto and to Mount Dennis. And uh, I see in the middle of the Depression, so uh, there <laughs> money was basically non-existent, but... Uh, Tell me about the Mount Dennis that you moved to, that you found. It was a, it's a little, it was a company town. It was well, a Kodak, it was, right? It was a, I mean, it was, it was just another place to live. And, you know, and there were, we lived on a nice street. And that's why uh, I went to York Memorial School. And uh, I found Mount Dennis. Once you got used to the, once you got there and made a few friends, it was fine. It's like any place else, you know, you, you're about as happy as you make up your mind to be, so... Anyway, the thing I remember about York was it had a swimming pool, and of course we all had to take swimming, and there were cotton bathing suits. Have you ever been in a cotton bathing suit? If you haven't, you don't want to. Trust me. Tell me why. Well, they cling like cloth. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was good. 
And the other, this, is, this sounds ridiculous, but in London, we didn't have a bathtub. So you had your bath in the kitchen in a, you know, laundry tub. So when we moved to Toronto, there was this bathtub. And you went downstairs and you lit the red heater. And you waited for a little while. And then you went upstairs and you turned on a tap and hot water came out and you got into a bathtub and you could sit with your feet out. Okay, How? happiness is. Happiness a warm is tub. A, a bathtub with hot water. Right. At any time that you wanted it. Yeah. Anyway. And was uh, Saturday night bath night? Oh, it always was, but when you got when you had the bathtub, you didn't have to wait till Saturday night because you could turn. You didn't have to heat the water in a boiler. <laughs> so and, I suppose uh, this helped you learn to love Toronto a little bit quicker. Oh yeah, well I say this, it it went. It's like any place else when you move at first because you've left all your friends behind. It takes a little time, but I say. When you're this age, you've forgotten what it was, sort of forgotten what it was like, but you just got along with the people on the street, and we always had good neighbors. There was one, there was a fruit store, and they used to come around with the wagon with the fruit on it, so you could buy it, and uh, I'd say strawberries, and that, I can remember that, because we used to pick strawberries, two cents a box, and, and I go back a long time, <laughs> and then there was a fish man, and there was the, the uh, milk was delivered, and it was horse and wagon, and bread was delivered, and it was horse and wagon, and uh, Eaton's delivered, and it was horse and wagon, and uh, but you never thought anything about it. That's just the way it was, and uh, then they got into. And then you're trying to remember when it changed, but you don't remember. It just it's like anything else. Change just sort of comes. So when you were growing up, though, you had you were telling me that uh, you were part of uh, the church, and there was a young people's group there of sixteen. And I think this is where you met your husband. Is that right? Well, no, not in Mount Dennis. We moved from Mount Dennis to Fairbank. Oh, Fairbank, right? Yeah. Which is the, another area in the current yeah, city of York. Right that's Vaughn Va Va Road and that area. Yeah. And Vaughn uh, Road and St. Clair. Vaughn Road and uh, Vaughn Road and England. England. Yeah. And uh, Bathurst, I think. And left up there, on road and bed. But the thing was, the war came along, and my father joined the army. So that meant we had to move from Fairbank. So we moved over to Vaughn Road near St. Clair. And then I decided that I would, wasn't sure what church, if any, I would go to. But anyway, Witchwood Church was there, and they had a big young people's group. So I joined Witchwood Church. And uh, that's where I met my husband. We had a, a group of, of about eight, I think there were about 12 of us, just happened to get along. So we used to go to each other's houses and, and uh, play whist, yeah. And the strongest drink was ginger ale. Yeah, there's just two, two of that group left. And uh, yeah. But, and you, you being one of them? Mm -hmm. So do you still see the other person? No, the problem the problem gets when you're older, you can talk by telephone, but you can't get to see each other because they used to drive. They, I never did drive, but they did, but now they can't. And there's always, 
there's always something. There is. And, uh, as you were but uh, I just want to. So here you are, and are you working now? When you when you're. I was 19 when I started work. Yeah. And so so when you're describing this young people's group that you uh, met and, in, at yeah. Richwood Church, were, so were you you were working at the time? Yeah, I, I was. I guess 19 or 20, and I worked downtown and. What was it that you did? I. I have such a wonderful background. I worked at the church office, and uh, yeah. But you, you talked about how you bought your house. Your husband had just come back from the war, as mm -hmm. so many people, and it was the soldier's dream, wasn't it, to buy a home, have oh, a oh. home. Yeah, well, I remember we thought we might like to go to Leaside, and uh, he, thought, he looked at this house, and the lady said, now, it's a real bargain because the system that's only $20,000. Really? Well, $20,000 might just as well have been $200,000. Anyway, we found out about these houses and Danelia, uh, and they were 15.5. And so we bought the house and we had, I think, a $9,000 mortgage, which we didn't know how we would ever pay. Really, many sleepless nights. But we knew, well, John had a steady job. He, he was with Bell when Bell was a good company to work for. <laughs> now, come on. Well, okay. I, I, he was with Bell when we all needed Bell. Bell was the person. They, they brought us our telephone. Yeah. They kept us connected. Yes, right? they did. Was he a lineman or was he? In no, the, he was, a, uh, was a, an engineer. An engineer. Yeah. And had he, was he a draftsman, a, sort of, and an engineer. Okay. engineering. So yeah. he had, so you lived the life then that you could live with you at home, mm -hmm. you had three kids, yeah. and he was out at the job, he went yeah. out, you know, he left the work with a, a wave and a whistle, That's and he right. went to work, and you were there, you didn't drive. Nope, never there were, did. There was no TTC for 11 years yep. when you yep. lived there, correct? That's right. Yeah, you call it utopia, tell me about it. Well, I didn't know I'd said it was utopia. It was just a good place to live, and you had really good neighbors, and you were friends, and your kids could uh, just play. You didn't have to worry about them, and, uh, you know, you could, didn't have to lock your door. And if your kids would have to trike at the end of the street, somebody would either bring it back or say, your trike's down the end there, Alvy, you better get it. But, And I remember with Grant, I had tried to teach him to bring his toys in, and... Uh, this night he came in and said, Mom, is it true if you leave your toys out, somebody will steal them? I said, well, it can happen, Grant. He said, oh, because David left his out and I stole it. <laughs> so. And to, and you responded? <laughs> no, Dave, no, Grant, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but uh, it was just, it's just, a, it's really hard to put it into words because it was just good neighbors and you knew you knew you could call on them at any time, and I say the um, the and women. None of the women at that time worked. Well, then the, it changed. It did change it, it a little bit later, but yeah. at that time, were the and the women were were you close? You were. Yeah, oh, we had. It was great, and you would. You know, you you at that time we didn't. We put fences up, but we didn't have fences, so it'd meet on somebody's backyard, and the kids would all be playing and have a coffee, and you know, so that you were. And you needed each other because there was nothing. You you had to walk out to, um, well, the, the 
first time, when we first moved out, the, the shopping was at Finch. That was the only, it was a Loblaws. And then, say, so you lose track of how many years it was before they put up uh, a shopping mall at the corner of Young and Cumber, and which changed hands several times. And uh, then, uh, but you did your shopping on a Friday night because John worked on Saturday morning and it was open on Friday night and, uh, and they weren't open on Sunday. And he had the one car. And there was one car, yeah. And, uh, but you were able to do that, not starve to death, you know, and have just a good life, a really good life, yeah. I think you were you were telling me that the women would sometimes get together and have a women's night out. Oh yeah, the the men would drive us to the theater, which was just across the road here. But, that that uh, would be young. The Willow, young. The Willow Theater, yeah, and uh, then <laughs> you could walk back down to Finch and get or the the Baldwin taxi, you know, ten cents each because it was fifty cents to go home. Wow. And if we could either do that or walk, but you had to walk from here to Bayview, so we were better. We were better off having a ride at night. But How anyway. long a walk would that have been? Well, that's a good. It's a concession. What's a concession? About a mile and a quarter. Yes, it's a mile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so it's a goodly twenty and, uh, minutes, half hour, yeah, whatever walk. Yeah, and it was fun. Yeah, and I say, or you would. There used to be a, a one on. on Eglinton, I think, that there was a, a nice theater there. We went the odd time, but, yeah. I think it was called the York, wasn't it, on Eglinton? Not that one, no. Anyway, but you would go as a, as a gang. Yeah. With all the, the, the five, women. Five of us, yeah. Five of you. So there were five of you, and you were all in this sort of cul-de-sac street, yeah. and, you, and you, you were neighbors? Just neighbors, you know, and everybody had kids, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But it was I'm trying to think of. Did you go to any special movie showings or anything? You know, big openings, or do you remember any? Oh, I remember when when O'Keefe Center opened. We went down to that. Oh, the the the, the women went down to that. Well, the whole gag of us, my sisters and everybody, just went down to that. And and when we went down to the opening of the um, you know the, the symphony one, it the, wasn't nearly the, the as Tom, good. Thompson Hall. Yeah, Thompson Hall. It wasn't nearly as well. Tell me what was so. Tell me about the night that the O'Keefe Center opened. The O'Keefe, the O'Keefe Center, which has been named so many different things, yeah, well, and I think it's O'Keefe's called the Sony Center for the Performing Sony's, Arts now, yeah. but I may be wrong. Yeah, but I, I think, think so. that's its latest. But name. I see, they're all of the celebrities came and they were all dressed up and were and, you dressed and, up? An evening dress. Oh, came it was beautiful. Yeah, and people, when you went to the theater, women went in long. Some of the companies would have special things for them, and the women would all be in long dresses, men in really nicely dressed. So when the the grunge thing came in, and people were coming to the theater in jeans and torn jeans, you'd think, anyway, at least they're at the theater. But I say I was so lucky because the Royal Alec was there, and you could see so many phenomenal people. Like I saw Helen Hayes and Alfred Lunton and Fontaine, and I saw Catherine Hepburn and Bramwell Fletcher and all kinds of them. And it was, I say, went, we went to the opera at the uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, and 
to see Renata Tabaldi and Aida, and it was $2.50 for the greys. But the man ahead of me was buying good tickets, and his were $12 a piece, and he bought five. $60 was a lot of money. And you think of it now, and you think, oh my goodness. But, yeah, and you remember when the Canadian Opera started? Remember when the ballet started? And the struggles they had? Yeah. And you were always very, did, did you try and save your money and go and see? And Yeah, you went to that, yeah. And were you there for the opening? You remember when the Canadian Opera started and the ballet? Yeah. Tell me you, about it. Well, let's... You, you remember Celia Franca when she started, and I say, you would, we went early on, but it's kind of hard to remember, because it's been a long, long time. I know, but you're good at remembering. At some, th <laughs> some things, I say, I say, the biggest lie I ever told myself was, I don't have to write that down, I'll remember <laughs> it. And you know I don't. I did very well when I was 97, and I used to go down, downtown, no problem, just bust in subway and go to the ballet or go to the opera or go to whatever you wanted to do, go shopping, whatever. And uh, unfortunately, you move into a place like this and in all fairness, I was getting older, but I was still looking after a two-story house and my kids were moving north, which is why I decided to move in and... Uh, I still, I still went down for another year, and then a friend and I used to go to the, the when they we stopped going down to the opera here, but Metropolitan was on at the theaters. Yes. So we yeah we went. I went to that I guess till last year or the year before, and I bought the tickets, and then you suddenly realize there comes a day, and I guess I was. About a hundred. What? <laughs> and I. What happened? What was the realization? Well, you just haven't got what it takes. You do get old, honest. You do get old. At uh, you fight it at every angle, I guess. But and you go to a doctor, and they say, "Well, have you been? Did you ever consider your age, Mrs. Barrowman?" Well, no. <laughs> Never. I was making the point to you that at age a hundred. You didn't stop going anywhere. You simply stopped going anywhere on your own. Yeah. And now you're actually accepting kind offers of rides, but you're still going places. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but, <laughs> well, like, I go up to, I go up north. The kids are going up north. They'll take me up north to Gravenhurst because that's where my daughter's moving up there. So, and my son already lives there. So, uh, yeah, I'll go there. And I go anywhere <laughs> in a car, but uh, you just haven't. Sometimes you just don't haven't got what it takes to sort of get over and climb the stairs to the to the theater. That's and you have to face it when it comes to a fight between the mind and the body. The body wins, it really does. And I say my favorite one is you know you're getting older. When your mind says, I think I'm going to do this today, and your body says, go ahead, but start without me. <laughs> Which mine does on many occasions. <laughs> so so what would you like to know about the... 
about the proposal. I, I want it. So there you are. You're at Witchwood Park, and you've met the man of your dreams, the man of the hour. So I had paid my income tax, which was $6, and I got a notice to say that I hadn't, but I fortunately kept the receipt. So I was going down to the income tax place, and he phoned to see if I would could I go for lunch, which I said yes. So we are at the corner of Queen and Young, and he said, oh, by the way, I thought maybe we should get married before I go overseas. Really? So I swallowed twice and said, pardon? Anyway, she said, we were just, I was just going up to see if we could get a, a ring, which is what we did. So the first thing, after you said yes, the first thing you did was go up and get your tax receipt? No, dear. The first thing I did, I forgot about the tax receipt and went up and got a diamond ring. <laughs> Where did you go? Did you go to Berks? I can't, I, if you'd asked me a week ago, I might have been able to tell you the jeweler. But anyway, it was on Young Street someplace, and then we went to Diana's Suites for lunch. Oh, how nice. And he could eat, but I couldn't. You were too excited? Yeah. Well, did he take you by surprise? Like what? Did he ever? And you got married how much later? Because he was. I got married. Um, oh, that was funny. Could you get married in two weeks? In one week, I said no. I would need two. So it was amazing what you could do in two weeks. Because you got a dress, you got a bridesmaid, you got a place to have the. Thing. Got a wedding cake, he sent out invitations, and he had a nice wedding. And uh, then on the, I think we went to Ottawa for a week, came home on the Friday, and he left for the Horse Palace on the Saturday. He had, he was, he was. He was in the Air Force. He was in the Air Force. Yeah, and so he was uh, supposed to work at the Air Well, he had to. On the CNE grounds. Pardon? On the, on the CNE grounds, is that where he was? No, he was he that that down at the uh, the horse palace is where all the, the the air force was. They were in the horse yeah. cells, yeah. So he was there for a time, and then he went to Malton, and he was there at Malton until he went overseas. And he was overseas for two and a half two and years. Two and a half years, yeah. So, tell me about this experience that so many people went through of being a young bride whose husband is overseas fighting. Yeah, not fun. Not fun. But it, it was amazing because it, there's so many people were in the same boat, you know. And uh, so, but the other thing was he eventually, they were going from Holland into Germany and uh, the kid that was driving the lorry, uh, it was on the wrong side of the road type of driving and ran into a truck. So. John was flung out of the truck, and um, he had three vertebrae in his back broken, I guess, and a big gash in his head. Anyway, I get a letter saying I'm still in hospital, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> so then the first letter came about a week later, and that's when I found out. So he was in hospital, so when he came home, he came home on the 18th of July, and he walked in tall and handsome, straight as could be, but he was in a cast from, from here down here. So there was no, no wonder he looked 
tall, <laughs> tall and handsome. Anyway, and then he got the cast off, and I said, you had to shake the sheets to find him, you know. <laughs> he had a, had a little bit of a time getting used to that, but then life got back to, to normal. And but it was a tough time for the women left at home, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I was lucky because, like, my, my brother-in-law was in the Air Force. My brothers were in the Navy, and uh, my dad had been in the Army. But uh, anyway, they all came back, and they all, so we were, we were just lucky. But... Uh, that it, is almost a miracle to have a, a mm -hmm. family come back from the war mm -hmm. intact. Yeah. I don't. Did you, I'm sure you didn't know anyone else. Did oh, you? there were there were a lot of a lot of your friends that didn't come back. Yeah, and uh, which is what makes you so angry, kind of Mr. Trump thinking war is a good move. But anyway, we won't go there. But. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it, it was a time. What did were you working at this time? Oh you, yeah, well that you was, hadn't yeah. started your family. No, the thing was that you had to. Um, uh, we had to get permission to work. Did you? Married women couldn't work. My sister was a teacher, and she got married. She married taught to you, but because she got married, she couldn't work. Couldn't teach. So, uh, yeah, so uh, things have changed. And but what did? How did did you get permission to work? Yes. How uh, did you do that? Well, the, the ladies that were in charge. We went to her house, and she interviewed John. She, and she liked him, so that was a good thing for me. And she figured that yes, I sh I could keep on working. And you were this was you working for the church. For the church office, yeah. Because she liked your husband. Well, it, actually, there. I mean, well, why would I not work? Because there was, you know, he was away, and uh, but uh, and it was different in an office than it was from a, a teaching because the government was, you know. Looked after the teachers and that, but it was just the times, and uh, it's funny when you're living through them, you don't think anything about it, and you just because that's just the way life is. So here you had you were in this brand new house, which was I'm sure your family thought you might as well be in North Bay. You oh, were so my sister lived in Mount Dennis, and she thought I'd moved to the end of the earth, and she had been so excited about me coming back to Toronto, and. Uh, we had what you couldn't get a telephone for six months, and but one neighbor had it. There was just one neighbor, and so I phoned her from there, and then I would walk down the odd time because there was a, a payphone at uh, Cummer and Young when you'd walk because there wasn't any buses for a long time, so you just walked down there and uh, use the telephone and walk back. So you you walked a mile to use a telephone yeah. if you didn't use one neighbor had a telephone. Yeah. Because it was such a waiting list. Yeah. Because, I mean, the yeah. suburbs were booming. Oh, Everybody yeah. was yeah. building. And yeah. that was simply a waiting list, was it there? I guess that's what it was. Anyway, we couldn't get one. but uh, And he worked for Bell, so... Anyway... And so your your sister thought you were at the end of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I say there were buses. and Not uh, yet. There were no buses. There were buses there. on Young Street. So you went, you walked out to Young Street and took the bus to Eglinton and then got the Eglinton bus and took it through to Weston Road. How long would it take you to get from oh, your house to your sister's house in Mount Dennis? An hour or so. An hour or so. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. 
so this was the 50s and you're into the 60s now you're raising three kids and you talk about how all of a sudden the game changes for women mm-hmm. and all of a sudden being a stay-at-home stay-at-home mom isn't quite as accepted what how did you feel? oh Tell you were the lowest form of animal life absolutely well what do you do i stay at home with my kids yeah but what do you do and I say, I'm raising three good citizens. Anyway. And, and did, did, did you lose some of your neighbors? Some of your neighbors would go back to work and kind oh, of... They went back to work, but you always were friends, you know, and you looked after their kids if they needed it, yeah. But were you kind of the one left? Yeah. Just you? Just me. Just me. But, um, and then a friend moved... Uh, she became a friend, moved on over on Ruth Street. So she and I, she was she stayed at home too, and uh, yeah. But it's just funny you didn't think too much about it, except when you were out and somebody said that you know, what do you do? Yeah, but what do you do? Well, I worked darn hard. But uh, I said, what are my good? cartoons that I liked was the lady on the Chesterfield and the place is a mess and her husband comes in and look and she said well you ask me every day what do I do all day well today I didn't (laughs) was that on the fridge (laughs) (laughs) no I had on the fridge dull women have immaculate houses So <laughs> this is it. But so it was an interesting time, though, for you. Yeah, I you. guess it was. But it's funny when you're living through it, you're kind of not aware of it, if you know what I mean. It's like you, if somebody was asked you your sort of routine and everything, because you have have a routine. But if you were at home, you would. And well, that's just your life, and so you don't think anything really about it. Yeah. You know, it's just your life, and you're enjoying it and. Uh, it's uh, and it wasn't all beer and skittles. I mean, <laughs> there's always something. But uh, and they say then my son was in a very bad accident, and uh, when he was 18, and that was another. There are funny things that are funny in the macabre right away. They called us and we were over at the hospital. It was at Branson, and hadn't any idea what had all had happened. Anyway, there was one of the men, young men there, and he said, now, Mrs. Barrowman, they're working very hard to save his leg, but if they can't, we have wonderful prostheses. And this was at 3 o'clock in the morning, and really, that's very kind, dear. Thank you. But anyway, Jim, they did, he had a phenomenal doctor, so he did save his leg, and uh, yeah. Wow, I guess you do remember something like that, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. And I was supposed to go to um, England and Scotland with John and his dad. And I say we went into the hospital, and they were just taking Jim down to ICU. And I thought, I guess I'm not going. You were literally supposed to leave the next day or very soon within, after? Within the week. Oh. And uh, so I said, I phoned his sister and said, Get your passport ready, because I will not be going, and which is what happened. But then people felt very sorry for me, which they shouldn't have, because um, Elaine was at camp, and Grant was away, and Jim was in hospital, and so I was there by myself, and I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do, and you could just, you know, go over. And whenever you went over to the hospital, Jim was surrounded by people, or else he wasn't there. So 
you know, I wasn't as bad off as they thought I was. And they had a good time in, in Scotland and, yeah. Did you ever get to Scotland? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were lucky. We traveled a lot, yeah. When John, when John retired, yeah. So yeah. when he retired, the two of you did the... We went, we went across the country two or three times. My sister lives in Vancouver, so we went out west and we went down to the east coast and, uh, yeah, we went to England and then we went to Switzerland and France and bits and pieces, you know. And uh, so we had a good time. You did? And we did. And you also talked, when we were on the phone, you talked about how when you were younger, you've always enjoyed all sorts of Toronto. You you used to go to the island. You oh, yeah. The, the island was that, that where you, and they used to have a boat go over to Port Luzie, and we used to do the, the, the lake boat, yeah. You went on those, they were great trips. Really, yeah. 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 And the island wasn't, there was Oh, lots there, were, of there was buildings, there were homes on the islands, on all of the islands, mm -hmm. and lovely ones, yeah. And um, and you were also down at Sunnyside when they had the rides and oh yeah yeah that was that was a big um, that was this like what do they call Wonderland or whatever it is I mean, this was a small version of it but everybody went Sunnyside. and there was a but there was a Ferris wheel and Ferris wheel the merry-go-round and other you know the car dodging and all kinds of things. a lot of stuff there yeah. And um, then the Palais Royale, where Palais, all the big yeah. bands, Duke Ellington, mm -hmm. played and whatnot. Somebody told me, and I think it's a reliable source, that Walt Disney bought the merry-go-round from Sunnyside. That would not surprise me. Yeah. Do you remember the merry-go-round? Oh, yeah. Everybody remembers the merry-go-round. And because there's, there's one in, there was one in Port Dalhousie, and with all the, you know, the hand-painted uh, horses, and we went over there. And, of course, it was fun when you were young getting on a horse, but when you're a little older, you get on the horse, but uh, not as easily. <laughs> so so you did that. You also were used to hike on Sunnybrook Park, you said? On Sunnybrook? Yeah, Before yeah. there was a hospital. Oh, this yeah. That, that was a big park. You'd take, you'd take the St. Clair car to the end of the line and then just walk up to... Sunnybrook Park. So you really do. You've you've utilized every corner of this city practically. Well, well, within hailing distance, and uh, yeah. And the exhibition. Oh, exhibition was wonderful, and you got a free ticket when you were a school kid, and you go into the food building. I mean, you got samples of everything. You get a little tin of syrup, you know. And that, that's what I remember the most was the little tin of syrup. And you got, I mean, you could have your meal in there just getting samples. And, uh, yeah. And six. And you, and, sorry? Six Nielsen chocolate bars for a quarter because chocolate bars were five cents. Ah. So you're. you're and, yep. Yeah, and so you get one free. And then I say your ice cream is five cents. You got a double dip for ten, and uh, I say with milk. The, they got milk delivery, and in the winter time, you know, it would freeze, and the, they all had a little cardboard top. A little cardboard top would be on, but Silverwoods had a bottle that had a a small neck, and then they had a spoon that you could put in there to take the cream off, so you could whip that cream, and. Uh, wow. But that also <laughs> would freeze in the wintertime. 
And they used to have milk boxes. Well, then they closed all those up. To, yeah. That's really true. And they say, but, yeah. And do you, you mentioned that you went to celebrate your engagement at Diana's Suites. Yeah. Which was a restaurant. Right, right next door to Lowe's. To Lowe's, which, which was. Which is now the Elgin. Which is the Elgin, so it was just up on Young Street, on Young just Street. a little bit north of Queen then. Yeah. So, and that is where we call the Winter Garden and whatnot now. So, mm-hmm. um, and was that the was that sort of a special place for you? Or well, no, that? it just happened. We liked Diana Suites, but but it was a, it was I think that was their main one, was on was on Young Street. Yeah. And then when some of the uh, I think Yorkdale, when they opened, they had a place there, and they always had one at, uh, um, I'm trying to, the one they just, was it Fair, not Fair, the one they just, it was a, a lovely indoor mall, and they made it into an outdoor mall. Oh, Don Mills. Don Mills, yeah. And that was a great place for seniors to go, absolutely, and there was a lovely Diana Suites there. but. I was just wondering if there was a, a special place where you would go to celebrate family occasions or anything like that. In, in no, Toronto. we usually did that at home. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, when you, because you think now the, the the family's reduced to about five or six, but we used to have a big family gathering, so, you know, and you'd have about 20, 25 people, and then you look at your stove and think, I've got four burners. How did I do that? You know, but uh, yeah. Because all the cousins came and, yeah. yeah. So I'm um, no, I'm just trying to get a sense of, of were you you remember when the subway opened? Was that a, oh yeah, that we, excitement? We, lived, we were back in London. Oh, you were in London. When it opened, then. so we drove we drove down. Did you to bring brought the kids down so they could get a ride on the subway? Yeah, and we used to come down, we'd drive down here to see the Santa Claus parade. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, and that was a must. Mm-hmm. And where would you camp out for seeing it? Well, John's mom and dad lived here, so we stayed with them, and then you just took the... Where, where, and you took it down, and where, did you have a particular, a good viewing spot for it? Or you just took, I think we went probably down Davenport, but wherever it went, I mean, you just took wherever you could get a spot. Yeah, yeah. it was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I, I think I, I need to ask you about is, you must remember the Eaton's catalog. Oh, my goodness. I should say so. <laughs> yeah, the Eaton's catalog. Yeah, and uh, the wish book. The wish book. Yeah. What did you What did you lust after? Well, you were sixteen by the time you were yeah. Eating, you I, not not very much. You, you'd never. I don't remember ever really wanting it, anything that much, you know. Yeah. But you just like to see the catalog. It was good to see it, and and it was fun to look through the older ones because of the stuff that was in it. And when you look at the underwear, you think, "Oh my God!" And I remember. Remember a friend of mine for uh, her wedding present. Her aunt gave her a Spirella co- corset. Had, yeah, and Spirella was really expensive. But I think, oh my God! <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> we went from the ridiculous to the sublime, or the sublime to the ridiculous. I'm not sure. When you see Toronto now, do you see what was, or do you see what is, or do you sort of see both at the same time? Can, well, it's, it's a long time since I've been downtown, and because I used to know, like, the underground, you sort of knew it like the back of your hand, or just walking down King Street. The last time I was in, on King Street, because they were, they were redoing uh, 
Union Station, it was still under wraps and that. But it, it's all changed. Everything. It's, it's, uh, there's not a great deal of the of the old. You have to have a. You have to build up. A, I used to call it a wall so that things won't really reach. And then when you try to build that wall, you wonder if you're removing all your, any real feelings that you have. But if you let yourself be, because two people just died, one of the ladies from this floor and another one, lovely lady, two days ago. And the number of people that have died since I came in or have lost their minds and have been moved, you know, you're, you have to sort of rise above that some way or other. How? I don't know. You just, and I say, I get, <laughs> I get headaches. I don't get headaches. That's a lie. I get dizzy. And you try, I'm sure my kids are so sick of me saying it. So you try to keep, <laughs> to not mention it, but you sort of <laughs> go around in circles by times. And you think, well, you're very lucky because I can still get up and get showered. I can do everything for myself. And that is a big thing. So there are days in my life when I write down, I can walk, I can talk, <laughs> and I can get myself showered. You know, I don't have to ask for help yet. So you, you're very, you're very, very grateful for that. Yeah. You may not sound it, and you may not look it, but you really are. Yes. Yeah. Special thanks to today's storyteller, Elva Barrowman. Stay tuned. After the credits, Elva is going to read us some of her poems, or as she prefers to call them, her pithies. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We're relying on listeners like you to tell your friends about these stories. You can also listen to and download this podcast as well as transcripts from our podcast website, ryerson.ca slash ce slash I was here. On our website, you'll find a portrait series of each storyteller. These photos were taken by the talented Toronto-based photographer Jessica Blaine-Smith. Time for the credits. Today's podcast was made possible by... Project Supervisor, Darren Cooper. Audio Engineer and Producer, Matt Rideout. Project Coordinator and Producer, Melanie Santarosa. Our theme music was also created by Matt Rideout. Finally, a very special thank you to Programs for 50 Plus and Community Engagement at the G. Raymond Chang School of Continuing Education, Ryerson University, who supported us in our endeavor to give these storytellers a much-needed platform and audience. I'm Catherine Dunphy, and on behalf of all the storytellers, thanks for listening to I Was Here. Do you remember a few years ago that young generation that worried us so? Well, now they're all married and settled, poor things. Become worried critic for time clips all wings. And, and when pompous men annoy me with lofty attributes, it cheers me to imagine how they'd look in bathing suits. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like that. <laughs> Whenever I look in a mirror, it isn't my face that I see. 
that I should grow older like everyone else is quite surprising to me. Amen. (laughs) I think that I shall never see a billboard lovely as a tree. In fact, unless the billboards fall, I'll never see a tree at all. And I, I like this one. The house is quiet now. The rooms are clean. No music blaring on the radio. Is this the quiet time of which I dream when I was busy dashing to and fro, this one to hockey, that one to ballet, another one to baseball practice? Now, the piece I dreamed of seemed light years away. Well, now that time has come. And now I dream of noise and toys and sleepless nights and sometimes wish I had them back again. And then the children come and stay a while and bring their children with them. Then I know I've earned my tidy house and quiet times and I'll enjoy the silence when they go. I don't know, you just sometimes it just comes out, that's all. And, I wish I could explain me. My kids have been trying to do that for a while, but 